Hello, hello. Welcome to Pre-Internet Friends, a conversation shaped by being savvy enough to deal with the world today, but old enough to remember the world before the internet. This podcast is a his and hers take on the world as it is, not as it should be. Stay true. Big shouts to the ones who raised you and the man up above that made you. Best believe that I won't change. Yeah, I grow, but my heart still remains the same. Stay true. Can't forget about the ones that played you and your friends that turn to hate you. Best believe that I won't change. Yeah, I grow, but my love still remains the same. On game, I got it now. Okay, okay. Welcome to episode number two of the Pre-Internet Friends podcast. I'm your host, Mr. J. Nicholas. Uh, this is my co-host, Miss Nicole Shanique. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling tired as hell. I went out to get some supplies today, but we can get into that afterwards. Okay, okay. This is day uh, we're going to say, we're going to pick a number out the hat. Day 19 of the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the way that sounds. Um, firstly, for uh, my the first time listeners, I um, want to say uh, a special acknowledgments to uh, the gentleman on our intro. I don't know if uh, you recall, but we have intro music now um, by an artist by the name of Dylan Parker. Shout uh, that out track to Dylan. Yeah, stay stay true. Uh, so shout out to Dylan Parker. You guys can stream that on all DSPs, uh, including Spotify. Um, so here we are, day uh, we said day thirty seven. That's what we're gonna <laughs> <of> the... <laughs> No, I thought you said day nineteen or eighteen. Listen, it it is all a blur, um, and you know I wanted to avoid discussing this coronavirus um, as heavily as we did, you know, last episode, but. The, the damnedest thing is happening. Um, you know, obviously this coronavirus is still affecting us. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it's with heavy hearts. I just want to take an, uh, a moment to acknowledge some people, uh, you know, that have been affected by this personally. Um, I, you know, I work with MTA. We lost a gentleman, uh, a few a few people. I just want to acknowledge them. Uh, Warren Tucker is a bus mechanic for almost five years with MTA. Ernesto Hernandez, a bus operator, uh, Carter Dad Santiago, who's a cleaner, uh, Victor Sapana, who's a supervisor in the stations department for almost 30 years, and in my division, uh, a Mr. Scott Elijah, who was on the job for 15 years. And uh, last episode, I, I didn't have the names of the, uh, the two co-workers of mine at that particular moment, but it was Peter Petrassi and a bus driver, Oliver Cyrus. So uh, a rest in peace to, to those uh, those colleagues of mine and for everyone else who has fallen uh, based on this virus and, you know, people who are dealing with it now, um, yeah. of which I might be a statistic. I don't know if I told you that. Well, before we get into that, um, I wanted to say a rest in peace to uh, my friend Brandon. His grandmother, unfortunately, passed from the virus as well. So rest in peace to um, her as well as all of the victims. Um, I was speaking with Brandon uh, just a couple of days ago. And what's really sad is uh, the funerals or lack, lack thereof, like, you know, the funeral situation now is just completely different than what we would be, you know, used to people and not even having their time to, you know, kind of grieve or celebrate their loved one the way that they would normally do it. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so my, my heart really does go out to everybody who's going through that. Yeah, this is uh, for for us here in the states. This is unprecedented territory. Um, you know, we just kind of try to figure this out uh, collectively. Um, and so, while not um, ignoring the reality of this pandemic, uh, what I think we should try to do is avoid being uh, completely focused on it. Um, so, I, let's just try to look past this. You know, uh, what does life look like? Once the quarantine is over, um, are you going to be able to find love after lockup? <laughs> is, is, is Bay waiting for you? I um, mean, what, what do you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, you know, thank the Lord, I am in a relationship, so I don't have to deal with this. But 
again, my heart goes out to everybody, especially all the women who are going to have to deal with, like you said, love after lockup. It's going to be wild. <laughs> like, no, I think, I think honestly, uh, men have to really be level headed, stay strong. When we get out there after this is said and done, guys, you are going to be fishing with dynamite. What does that even right? mean? Fishing with dynamite. It's a, it's a, it's a line from Wedding Crashers. You know, it's like you, you are. There is no way you're not going to catch something. You know, and I don't mean that literally. I mean, you know, <laughs> in the, the, the hunting sense. Yeah, w- women are going to come out like they're seeing uh, light for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Longing to be outside, and you want to be seen. You want to be visible. This is the time where if men are strong, right? They keep their wallets in their pockets. Uh, they should be able to have the most leverage that they'll have in dating um, that we've seen since uh, since before Instagram. I mean, I think once the the, the lockup is lifted, that you got to give everybody a week. Everybody's going to need a week to get back in order because I was uh, DMing with Kinsey, uh, shout out to Crypto Kinsey, and he had... Uh, put up a, a Instagram story about how he looking so rough because he don't have his barber. And I said, yo, at this point, we all ugly. Like, and if you ain't there, you get in there, right? Like there's no nail salons, no barbers, no hair salons. Like I went to CVS today. Um, I had to pick up, you know, a prescription, but one of the things I was in the aisle trying to see what little black hair products they had, because it's like, it's a drought out here in every sense of the word. <laughs> No, nah, yeah, I, I want to see. I want to see the selfies. I want to see the the regular looks. You know, everybody had that that energy. You know, we were pushing natural, and I'm all for natural. But let, let's 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 keep the uh, the transparency. You know, you you haven't been outside. The hairstylist is closed. Um, let's see what it looks like. I want to see the edges. You know, because everybody who's not able to do self care, they're feeling it. I mean, I'm feeling it. I wanted to get a manicure and a pedicure. I've been waiting for. Uh, I don't know how long. What we said this is day forty, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I need, I need, need the the places to open up, man. This is not not a good look. But but who? Do, so you think that men are going to be the ultimate winners of this? Because the way I see it is, I think it's still a toss up. Like I think the women might have the upper hand because, like you said, we've been inside, and a lot of dudes is inside with somebody they don't want to be inside with. So no, no, you're talking about the slime balls. There, there no, are no, going to no. be plenty of. <laughs> Go there's going to be plenty of. There's going to be plenty of everything. That's what I'm saying. There, there's some people, right. and and the thing is, I think right now, while while dudes are home, it's helping them settle into whichever kind of dude they're going to be when they get outside. Because I think that there's there's a <laughs> certain proportion of dudes that. It's going to be like, damn, yo, I'm in here by myself or whatever. Like, I really wish I was in a relationship and, you know, I could have really spent some time with this person. Like, I don't want to be alone. Then you got some other dudes that's like, as soon as I get out of here, I'm doing damage. Like, right. So- right. And those are the ones that are going to that's going to mess up the market. The guy that's going to shoot at everything, that's going to chase everything. Um you know he's gonna he's gonna mess up the market. What what we need to have is solidarity amongst the men. All right, solidarity you, of you, what? If if guys show discipline, right, show some restraint. The chick that was not giving you any play before this quarantine, she's gonna start responding to those DMs. Now you had to have a personality, right? Now it's just not about being cute. The ones that are. Uh, are lacking. They're going to come out there with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to prove that they that they have some some extra value to compete with the girls with personality. And what are they going to do? They're going to be, I think, a little more, uh, <laughs> a little more. Uh, what's the word, man? I don't even know what the word is, but you know what I'm trying to say. I don't want to. I don't want to. No, get I canceled. don't. No, I don't know <laughs> oh, what you're man, trying you're to say. You're not going to shoot me any. You're not going to shoot me any bell. They're going to be willing to to take a little more risk. You know, oh shit! All right, push the the envelope a little bit. That's all I'm saying. If if the dudes, if the dudes stand pack, if they stay their ground, and and you know we we practice some some collective you know negotiating, some collective bargaining, you know some some people are gonna win, and they're gonna win on the margins. If you get what if you get my drift. Oh God! You know you don't have to kill yourself. Like just just be easy. You know you run down there, you might get one of them. But if you walk down there, (laughs) anyway. 
Why so, are you this way? Listen, I, I I use the term lovable asshole. It's not you know to prove that point. Where's the lovableness? So I I am very lovable. I'm also all a right. straight shooter. Oh, get the hell out yeah. of here! Paint by numbers. That's all. Um, so, anyhow, <laughs> uh, while we're on the topic of black men, uh, one thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about, we mentioned it last episode. Um, and I think the term is uh, LLC Twitter and, and financial independence Twitter. Um, I couldn't mm-hmm. recall the, the term last time, but um, I want to talk about these and I'm calling them the, the Kuji Chakalia grifters. The like, Kuji Chakalia. Okay. Right. Where you get okay. that from? So, you know, know, in Kwanzaa, that's the day and they talk about collective economics, right? Okay. Okay. And... You know, I'm not trying to call anybody in particular out, but at the end of the day, if you're trying to run any type of operation, whether it's nonprofit, for profit, selling services, goods, whatever, you still have to exist in the world. And just because mm. I'm trying to, you know, support black business, that doesn't mean that I have to support black nonsense. You know, okay. Well, hold so- on, because it's funny you say that. Uh, people heard the, the last episode and, and asked me, Why are you guys dropping your cash apps? And I'm like, Whoa, don't talk to me like I'm out here on some, some Umar Johnson shit. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to just be a, a messenger for the people of the people, you know. So, uh, when you when you say you go back to your coochie chagalias, I feel like that's a, a, a Umar Johnson reference because he's been out here wilding. Like, yeah, crazy. I don't. I every time I see a video of him, and it's usually on Twitter, I don't click to turn the sound on. Honestly, like, <laughs> he, he, here's the thing, and and I empathize with him in a way because I do feel like there are people who are hungry for that type of, um, you know, that type of what leadership. Yeah, like, 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 uh, <laughs> there's someone who went to school with us, and you know who I'm talking about. We're not gonna say his name, but he's into that kind of I don't even know what type of philosophy you call that if it's like pan Africanism <laughs> or like I'm not joking, like, I really just don't know exactly what the terminology is. I think it's pan Africanism, um, but there's too many uh holes with Dr. Umar for me, um, hmm. you know there was a block party that he had allegedly done and uh, he posted pictures. I saw some of these pictures on Instagram and the pictures were completely misleading. And I know they were misleading because the block party was actually on my block and there was nobody out there because it was like one of those, you know, 99 degree days, you know, they didn't really have any tents up or anything. And this is not even an area where there are people who would, uh patronize a block party but he had lined the pictures up like curated it in a way where if you didn't know that you really thought that he had some like big ass turnout and it completely was a lie so hold on hold on on. because that 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 doesn't necessarily mean that's a lie that you know people spin the camera a little bit to make it look like Right, right, right right of course but then if you're gonna put the caption of like Oh, I was out here feeding the community and all of this. It's like I didn't see nobody out there. <laughs> like how many how many people gotta be there for it to be the community? <laughs> That's what I wanna know. Like Listen, if if no, I listen, if you show up somewhere and you get a strong seven, but they all hungry, yeah, no, I fed the community. You know what I mean? No, I just <laughs> like how, feel- how many people is the community? <laughs> From what I remember some of the people in the pictures were i think workers from you know how they they send out maybe somebody to you know talk about the census or do blood pressure testing or whatever like some of those people were at work so it's not even a true representation of you know what was actually going on because those people they had no choice but to be there like but anyway uh another person yeah like it's, it's little stuff like that and then, like everybody said, remember, he apparently collected donations for some type of school that is still not open with no plans of being open. So he I feel his pain on this. I, I think that he's from what I gathered, you know, he's just he hasn't raised enough. And it's always going to be plausible to say, 
hey, that's I didn't why I, I, I raised some money, but I, but I need more, right? I need more because <laughs> you know this isn't this isn't enough, you know, for what I'm trying to do. This is a drop <laughs> in the bucket. I think where he's where he's starting that's to lose people is he's coming off as like hood militant, and you can't, you got to choose one. You can't be both, and uh, and it's kind of. People are taken aback. Like, hold on, you was just rocking the, the, the shiki and the, and the kente cloth. What, are you what talking is hood about? militant? I, I'm not familiar with him being hood. That, that's Umar Johnson. Umar Johnson told this lady, yo, you, you gave me $10. That was your last. You got to do better next time. I'm like, son, you can't talk to her like that. Oh, <laughs> he, no. He, he's strong. He's strong arm and tied. It's like, nah, you can't do that. Not, At least but in the church. See, like, did you see what mm-hmm. he was gonna do to the 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 dating conference or something? A, a singles event? Nah. Well, so it, that was a couple weeks ago, though. and he said that if you're a woman, he said if he said if you're a woman, he said if you're a woman, you gotta come in in natural. He said no weave, wig, extensions, mm. hot comb, flat iron. Shit, like yeah. it was like yo, it was Don't like who? It was like who's asking for this? <laughs> like, like, like. No, no, no. There, there, there is a segment of the population. Natural is good. There's nothing. Listen, listen. I, I, I have always described myself as an equal opportunity um, predator. <laughs> no, no. I, I was gonna say something else that I, re- I remember. My, you know, my family listens. Um, an equal opportunity, you know, uh, slinger. And what I would, what I would say is. That this wave that we're in of natural, uh, natural beauty being at the forefront. Um, natural I, hair, I not natural. Natural beauty. hair. Well, you know, I think no, I think you see the wave. Like you know, people like Alicia Keys was was nah. they were very visible about no, no, not no. wearing excessive makeup. No, first of all, all right, we're not even Uh-oh. get on Alicia Keys. We're, we're in the wave of natural hair. We're definitely not in the wave of natural beauty because some of the highest paid people. Uh, in terms of being influencers are beauty influencers and you know they got on all of the bank all of the makeup um a lot of the white ones got fake lips and fillers and this and that well, you, on the black side on the black side i don't know if if you saw but um there there was this influencer uh her name is uh Aaliyah j and she I don't know. She was tweeting about something, but she didn't. It was a story about a guy, and she didn't say the guy's name. But apparently, it was the rapper P and B Rock. And on Aaliyah J's channel, if you've ever watched it, like she has vlogged going to her surgeries, like, like it, like her surgeries. What what surgeries? Uh, boob job. She got a a Brazilian butt job. Like, so that's what I'm saying. This is definitely not the the um. The era of, of natural beauty is the era of natural hair. Oh, okay. You know what? It's funny you say that because I'm so desensitized to it now that I don't even look at that as like that wasn't even on my radar just now. You know, like if a if a woman got breast implants, like the conversation between some of my peers and I is like, you know, you don't even think of breast implants as a major cosmetic surgery now. You know, it's like. If you want to see if a woman is natural, you got to look at her belly button, you know, and that's the that's the giveaway. So, oh, she did the fat transfer, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I, I'm really was thinking about the natural, natural skin care, holistic, you know, organic. Um, yeah, there's a no lot makeup. of girls. There's a lot of girls who are vegan and also get ass shots. And shout out to them, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think that. Uh, I, I guess it depends on how you feel about it. I don't know if you want to want to get into that. I mean, are you a fan of that? You know, breast veganism. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not. No, this a fan is of- the, this is the best time to be a vegan. I mean, I'm not a fan you know, of veganism. But- I like ice cream, but um, as far as the plastic surgery, I say do whatever makes you happy, but. If some outrageous stuff makes you happy, then I think you have to have a different conversation. You know, some of these people, like like somebody like Little Kim, where it was like, what was going on with you that you went through, that you put yourself through? Kim, Kim didn't love herself enough. Shout out to Little Kim. Um, she she's she's beautiful people, but she didn't love herself enough. Cause oh, I was looking at that uh that iconic picture with the with the print, um, the leopard print or cheetah print, whatever that was. And Kim was Kim was nice, man. Kim was gorgeous. Yeah. You know, she just didn't love herself enough. 
Speaking of love, we have here on the topics the the senior living situation. Oh gosh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> nah, we got to get you, you know. started because because when it comes to senior care, that's where our loved ones go. <laughs> oh, that that was your transition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, um, I had to go to North Carolina recently uh, to bring my grandfather, who is eighty seven years old, uh, to bring him up to a uh, a senior senior care uh you know residential facility uh where he was going to be accompanying his his wife who's already there uh she arrived a few weeks earlier and you know looking at the the business model right how they how they go about making their money it it's, it feels predatorial it feels unethical it 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 really is it dis- it disgusts me? It pissed me off. I was infuriated. Uh, they they basically will bleed your your resources completely dry, and double check and make sure there's nothing left. And then at that point, then they'll bill your insurance. Um, and so like this place is you know you're talking about almost five thousand dollars a month cash, and they're like, all right, we're gonna go until we can't go anymore, and then we'll we'll, we'll you know. Once we exhaust that, then we'll, we'll, we'll build, you know, Medicaid. Um, so if anyone is is looking to put grandmom in a home, put, you know, your grandfather somewhere, make sure that you put their affairs in order. Uh, maybe you could speak to this from the legal perspective. But uh, what I would recommend in my unsolicited, you know, but strong legal opinion <laughs> is... Um, is transferring uh, all of the funds, or the majority, the vast majority of the funds out of out of that senior person's name, uh, out of their estate, put or put it in a trust where it's not going to be able to be touched by uh, by the government. And um, you know, you do that five or six years before um, you're going to be applying for any kind of Medicaid, so that way uh, it's not it's not something that can be garnished because this this thing is going to cost so much money. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. It feels like such a waste, you know, They're like th- that business model is, is, is terrible. It's a terrible model, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, that model is unfortunately very common and knows uh, any type of assisted living. Um, for one of my internships in law school, uh, I did, a. I was at the legal aid society and we had this mother come in and she was telling us this story about how, you know, she was like getting social security for her son, but they stopped giving it to her and you know, all of this. So I go to the social security office with the lady and come to find out, um, the son was in some type of group home and Hmm. it's those same rules. It's like, okay, well you're getting social security for him. Now all of that comes to us. Um, you know, it's really, really, I don't know who thought of it, but it's a crazy situation. And yeah, people definitely need to have their affairs in order, you know, living trust, um, tell your family what you want. I think that's also really important because what happens is, you know, in a lot of situations, certain people want grandma in the home and then certain people don't. And then, you know, where is she going to go? Okay, well, she leaves the house and who's in charge of the house and who gets what? And, you know, it can turn really ugly really quickly and, you know, damage some family relationships irreparably. So yeah, just um, make sure you, you have that discussion and I think have it with everybody at like one time so then that way there's not an opportunity for one person oh well she told me this another person oh they told me something else um and that's even something that I've experienced in my own family like you know one person gets one story another person gets a different story and then it's like well which which one do we act on you know <laughs> so yeah no you can't have you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen you know old, that that old adage you know you need one uh more chiefs and less indians you know you, you, oh, you can't say that uh, no more. That's that's racist. The people say. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Okay. Now, don't get canceled. All right. Well. Um, okay. Granted. See, this is this is a, a a teachable moment. So you can't have too many chefs in the kitchen, too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, you you do need to have a point person, have somebody who is going to be uh the point person for the estate, and 
let it be somebody that the family can rally around. That'd be best case scenario. But if not, just somebody who is clear what their legal claim is. You know, if you're the, the last born, you got three older siblings. Unfortunately, you know, you you probably shouldn't be the point person legally. You know what I mean? Unless but you know what? Other... I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think you can necessarily say that because at the end of the day, I think some people want want certain roles and some people don't want certain roles and some people are unable to assume other roles. So I don't think necessarily because somebody's the youngest or somebody's the oldest that that necessarily qualifies them or disqualifies them from any position. Like there might be one sibling who's like, well, I'm willing to pay for it. Okay. So maybe we're going to go with you, with, with what you want to say, or, you know, there might be somebody, yeah, there might mm-hmm. be somebody who's, who's saying, okay, well, I'm willing to do, you know, all of the running around and the administrative, you know, behind the scenes stuff, you know, talk to a social worker, get the prices, do the application and all do of the, that. Do the like, legwork. Yeah. yeah if, you have, if you have one person willing to embrace all of that and everyone else is, is not, then, you know, obviously that's not going to work. I guess the scenario I'm alluding to is everyone willing to do it. And then there being a power struggle about who has the juice based on, you know, the legality. Speaking of of power, Mm -hmm. because we're not going to air out any of your family business. We're just going to go to the next topic. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm here. I'm I'm ready to pot. What up? (laughs) Well, so you have one here. What's going on at Liberty University? Um, Liberty University is a uh, is a school where you know we're, we're practicing social distancing, right? And um, we're supposed to be avoiding gatherings of ten people or more, or more than ten people, right? So the the president of Liberty University decided that he was going to reopen the the college. Oh, uh, that's partially. completely. Oh, come on. And allowed 1,100 students to return on campus. All right. Uh, within one week, uh, they had almost a dozen positive uh, positive tests come back, or at least a, a dozen people who appeared to be symptomatic. Um, the, but he's doubling down, the president, who I, I don't have his name in front of me, he basically pulled the Trump and told told the reporters, hey, stop reporting this. And this was the New York Times that, that ran with this story. He told the New York Times, stop reporting it, it's fake news. Um, All right. So- <laughs> <laughs> We're not even going to spend a lot of time on this because it's, it's one of these things where, first of all, what I do know of Liberty University is that was the school founded by a notorious like televangelist and the only thing that I can say about televangelists is that that's just another word for scammer, right? So, oh, okay. So you didn't you didn't do uh, what's the guy's name? The one that was in Texas that didn't let people in when there was a flood. Uh, oh, Joel. Uh, Joel Olstein, like it, like Olstein. Yeah, you didn't you didn't go to go to his uh, his church when you were out there? <laughs> no, um, it's one of those things where like that's a known legal scam job like televangelist like if you want to be able to rob people and not go to jail become a televangelist like there's no you know other thing to say so i don't even know why this school is still allowed to be a school like i don't know who's in charge of the licensing or whatever i believe the school is in virginia or something like that um yeah they have i know for sure they have a law school and that's the even scarier part right like they're producing people who are going to become <laughs> like practicing attorneys. Like, like these are probably the students that get put through those, you know, those conservative internship programs. And then, you know, they're writing briefs. Um, they, they're writing briefs, which would take, I guess, take us to our next topic of, of, you know, uh, a baby is, you know, the one second after a man doesn't pull out, like these are the type of institutions that are producing these kind of people. So I don't even know why Liberty University is allowed to be open at all. I definitely don't understand why it's allowed to be open during this um, kind of condition when every other responsible school has closed and made everybody go to online classes. Like we're not doing any of the 
oh, I'm not going to do social distancing because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Now is not the time for that. <laughs> no, there, there are uh, a lot of people who are doubling down on that position. And while we're talking about schools, um, I don't know what our target demographic is at this point. We're not really chasing the 18 year old listener, but for any of these high school age uh, kids that may be listening to this program, um, you should consider going to an HBCU. And if you are uh, thinking about going to an HBCU, you might want to look at a school in Maryland. Uh, they just got almost $600 million as a result of a settlement from a suit that they filed against the state. Um, the, the kicker with this, and I, I know this might be uh, more of a legal um conversation that you know i I do have a passion for despite not practicing um but what the kicker with this is this one was actually settled um by the maryland legislators uh they they voted on it almost unanimously to uh to issue this the settlement for 577 million dollars and that's going to be split between four hbcus uh morgan state being one of them shout out to all the people i know that went went to morgan state um as alumni, I don't know if you're entitled to any money, but that should help the uh, future enrollees. Yeah, I was not aware that that happened. Um, I'll need to do some more reading on that. But yeah, I think if these schools get that money, no matter the amount, I think it'll it'll help because um, one unfortunate part um, of the you know, just the legacy of higher education in this country is that HBCUs are like notoriously underfunded because, you know, look at who the alumni are, like the average, you know, let's say the average Howard or Spelman alumni compared to like the average, you know, Harvard, Yale, NYU alumni, like the, the earning power that they have is, you know, going to be crazy, crazy disparate. So, you know, and that just has a snowball effect. And then you want to talk about all the other, you know, issues that go into how schools get funded. You know, the schools are very, very underfunded. So if this is a chance for these schools to, you know, get their facilities up and, you know, give the students more financial aid and give them a better undergrad experience, I I support it. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super important. Um, you know, and it definitely moves the needle forward. I know you said you're going to look into it, but the the basic gist of it was that these HBCUs had created some curriculum uh, degree programs that they thought would attract uh, students. And some of the white uh, counterparts, the, you know, I don't want to, there's not even a term for it. There's no PWIs, but predominantly white institutions. There are PWIs. <laughs> Right, but they don't. They don't. They don't. Cons- you know, like PWI is is only a term because PBI is a term. You know, it's like. What the hell is but anyway, PBI? predominantly black institution. I've never Shout heard. Out to Me- uh, Me- Mega Everest College in CUNY is a PBI. Receives funding as a PBI. Oh, yeah, I, was today, I was today. I was today. You wouldn't call it a, a P. You wouldn't call it a PWI. You would just call it a college. You know what I mean? No, like, that's we- actually not true. That's actually that's not opposite true. of the truth. Like when I go to the let's say mentoring event or something like that like I do a lot of that um type of work when I am able to a lot of times especially let's say if it's something that you know especially like the deltas are doing shout out to my sores um there will be like oh we're gonna have a HBCU day right but then there might be something where it's just college in general and then you know you would say oh you know I went would say I went to a PWI because it's in comparison to an HBCU. Do white people sit exactly. around? But do white people sit exactly. around? Exactly, hey, they would, don't. No, of course not. Right, they don't. That's what I'm saying. So it, it there is still this uh, this other quality that's uh, attributed to the HBCUs that's attributed to PBIs, and you you know this normative value that that predominantly white institutes institutions get um as a result so yeah no, no one's really you know touting that they went to a pwi they're just saying i went to this college you know which is my point um i was gonna actually i wanted to go into to back to to texas while we're just talking about some of the legal stuff that's happening um i don't know if you saw any of these reports but in the midst of all of this there's some conspiracy theorists out here um like super excited 
and being uh, feeling like they're being vindicated and validated in their their critiques of, of the Corona uh, virus and COVID nineteen. Trump uh, apparently passed this five G um, bill to allow for the installation of five G cell towers. Um, quote while while no one was looking. Mm-hmm. You you have any thoughts on that? So. When you said Texas, I was thinking about something else. Right, right. Right, I was going to, I was actually, you know, I don't want to be all over the place, but that was my question to you when when we, I brought up Texas is really like, what the hell is wrong with Texas? Why are people, why do people still live in Texas? Like you got the, the Southern Texas stuff with, with the Mexican wall, uh, the border wall that people still feel like is a good idea that live down there, that they're they're comfortably paying for because most of that wall is actually still in the state of Texas. Uh, it's increasing the taxes for the people out there. Um, it, you know, they just had a, a federal judge have to grant a temporary restraining order against the state of Texas. Uh, what they wanted to do was temporarily suspend uh, a woman's right to abortions. You know, they, they created a temporary ban and based it around COVID-19. There is a unique obsession that white men have, that Southern white men have, and that men from Texas have with regulating women's bodies. I just don't understand why people uh, who can choose to, uh, why they would choose to live in Texas at this point. I mean, I was just texting somebody earlier today about this. Texas is the new Atlanta. And when I... No, 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 let me finish. Like, when I, I was in college... um there was this thing about like, you know, you graduate and then you get a good job and you move to Atlanta and like, you know, Atlanta was the place to go, you know, in the early, you know, the early to the mid two thousands, um, you know, when you wanted to get on your feet for whatever reason, but now that Atlanta is kind of at its apex, you know, they're going to the days where you could just go down there and, you know, get a little, fresh out of college, you know, $60,000 job or whatever. And then, you know, you have a house, you know, two, three years after that. So what I've noticed is that now people are now moving next door to like Houston um, and, and, and running with that. They don't have any state income tax from my um, understanding. Um, Right. So, you know, there is a lower cost of living. Um, And if you're the type that believes that, you know, I have to have a house or I have to have, you know, all of the amenities. I guess it makes sense. Um, but I couldn't see myself being out there. Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, like a lot of the stuff that's just going on. And even with that whole case that went to the Supreme court, you know, about affirmative action, like the school in question was one of the, the universities in Texas, um, and it was like a historic thing that like, if you was from, you know, a black city, like your chances of getting in was like way, way lower. That's why they had to at one point make a rule that like, I, I was, if you were in the top of your class, I forget if it was, you know, what percentage it was, but let's say, uh, if you're the valedictorian of any high school in the state, you automatically get accepted, um, to it's UT mm. and, you know, but what people said is that that basically made the segregation on the high school level even worse because basically, well, because before it was like, you know, are we going to do busing? Are we going to like redraw the district lines, whatever, whatever. But with that, it's like, as long as you went to a school within the state, you could get into one of the good public universities. So now there's no incentive for them to integrate at the high school level because it's like, oh, you could just stay on in the black area or the Mexican area and just do well over there at their, you know, substandard facilities. And, you know, if you're at the top, we'll see you at UT. And if you're not, you know, not our problem. So Texas has always been, you know, if you know, knowing the history, Texas has always been wild and I don't think they slowing yeah, down now. I um see like you you talked about flattening out the curve a little bit, right? With regards to to the, the need to segregate, oh, not segregate, but the need to integrate and even out those uh, those differences in between the the funding. But um, there there is a part of me, there is a part of me that still feels like we need to have a, a bit of a a social experiment to just uh, and we we can't do it now in twenty twenty, but 
you know, when 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 Dr. King said he fears he was uh, integrating his people into a burning house, you know, the, you know, there, there's a right. there's a segment of the population that feels segregation was the worst thing to happen to black and brown people. It, it, you know, stories like that. I don't. I think reinforced the idea that you know, if we are given equal opportunity to succeed, I think that we we deliver. You know, collectively. Sorry for the interruption. I want to thank you for listening to Pre-Internet Friends. If you'd like to see your company advertised here, please reach out via email at preinternetfriends at gmail.com. Um, I think that the kind of idea behind that is that before integration, especially in the housing sector, everybody was together by race, not necessarily by class as it is now. So what people would say is like, you could take somewhere, um, I saw it was a documentary or something, um, and they were talking to people in this, you know, a certain area in Queens that it was, you know, back in the sixties, it was like in the fifties, it was black homeowners like and they have these like really beautiful homes and what they were saying was that you know it's kind of like what we would think of like you know the Cosby's or the Huxtables or whatever um and they were saying like that's when you know you had the black accountants and the black lawyers and you know those kind of people lived kind of in the same area with you know the bus drivers and the cops and the maids and the you know the cooks and all of that because the people on the higher end even though they had some of the same professions they were not allowed to buy homes in those areas and they and they talked to a couple people who said yeah like once certain areas in long island started opening up and selling homes to black people all of the successful black Mm -hmm. people left so then now there's that now there's that void of people being able to say oh you know that's my neighbor he's a doctor or that's my neighbor they're a mechanic that's my neighbor they're a dentist now it's just like everybody's poor or everybody's working class or you know whatever so people don't even get the picture of success you know you 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 use the term again what is your definition of working class (laughs) i told you i would say (laughs) i feel i feel like working class is the the socioeconomic class above abject poverty and below middle class Mm. so in 2020 and i know you're not an economist right and i don't pretend to be but in 2020 what's what's the price point on that right poverty 20 is high (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like that that has to be a a nice little window but uh you know I, i had gotten some some feedback about that term uh last last episode so it was funny just hearing you say that um oh that uh you know it was this well you know i don't know if you want you want me to go into it now do you want me to go into it now you made me nervous go ahead (laughs) so it was basically that um that this identification of, of working class right um was uh it was a strong, strong, strong desire to not be seen as just being poor, right? And it was just like, you know, it. it, it well, you know, it, it's, 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 it's. Was a person in, was a person mm-hmm. insinuating that I was poor and I didn't want to say it? Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that was, that was the insinuation. Nah, no, 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 no. Let me let me get this clear, okay? My uh-huh. mother, for over twenty five years, was an executive assistant on Wall Street. Okay, hold on, hold on a second, hold on. Before you even delve into that, there. I, shout out to everybody who's poor. There is nothing wrong with, with yeah, poor, poor, poor in the sure. state of mind. Um, for sure, for and, sure. and actually it is an economic stratosphere as well but poor is just as much a state of mind you know um you know if you had to do oodles and noodles instead of instead of spaghetti mirror chain instead of top ramen i'm, I'm here with you right hot sauce over everything go ahead continue i mean i don't have nothing else to say like <laughs> i just didn't want to like like i'm not gonna say like my okay so i'll tell you a story like one time in elementary school i found food stamps and I brought them home because I thought no, see, I brought them home because I thought that they were play money. Like I thought food stamps was monopoly money because I had nah. never seen it. Yeah, nah, like, nah, ain't nothing to play I, with. That was you was about to I get was right. Really, I was in elementary school, and 
I had just, you know, you know, at th- that this is still the age, let's say maybe like first grade where you like still have toys in the classroom. So okay. I just like brought it home or whatever. And my mother was so tight. Like <laughs> she, you know, it was one of those things where my mother was, was just, my mother was embarrassed that I would even let anybody. She's like, did you tell somebody that this was yours? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> She's like, you need to take this back to wherever you got it. I was like, why is she tripping? Like, but it was sort of, but I had literally, I had literally never seen it. Like, I had never seen any of that. Like, you know, I don't know who said that I was lying about being poor. That, that, that you know what it is? Shout out to that, that sounds, person. Right, right. That sounds hard. Because mm-hmm. I think that um, I had a conversation with somebody and, and was saying that black people are the only people where we glorify poverty, where it's actually easier for somebody to believe that I'm lying about not being poor than to believe that I was not poor. Like, what, mm. like what's wrong with us? You okay. know what I mean? Like, that, that's like, a nice like, pivot. That's a nice pivot. Like, we're, we're the only community that does that. Like we're the only community that tries to out poverty each other. Like, like mm. if you was on, some, Oh, you know, me and my sister shared a room. Then somebody, you and your sister shared a room. Shit. That was nice. Me and my sister shared a bed. Oh, you and your sister shared a bed. Me and my sister and my cousin shared a bed. They ain't even had no sheets on it. And you're like, Oh, come on now. Like, Okay. No, listen, like, that's what, but that's what we do. We don't, tra- we don't trade war stories, show each other our scars. No, but at the same time, I think that there's something I, I don't listen. I get it, and I know a lot of times we just you're from the circumstances that you're from. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, and I don't know if maybe hip hop or or mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, has made us think that to be an acceptable type of black person, you have to be from a certain background, right? Which is what the whole fucking show Blackish is about. Um, you know, it's like at the end of the day, I don't get like I never thought that. Like I I've never been the type of person, oh, you're not black enough because you're not from the ghetto. Like, like, come on, it's 2020. Like, I come on. Come on. No, yeah, that that's that's <laughs> I want to say that's not the conversation any longer, but you know, it might be. But I but, mean yeah. that's still clearly on somebody's mind since somebody told you that that I referred to myself as as Working, working class, class. Working because class, I didn't. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Compel- <laughs> compelling stuff. Um, but, you, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like, like I like had I had the same conversation with a white person, nobody would say, "Oh, you know what? I think she's inflating her socioeconomic history." Like, if I was going to inflate, why wouldn't I just make myself rich? Like why? Like why would I make myself well, not poor? I, 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 didn't like, give the, I didn't give you the background of the person. You, you're presupp- presupposing that it's a, uh, it's a, a a black person, right? I didn't. I never said that. I, I am presupposing. I am presupposing that it was a black person, but I feel comfortable in my presupposition because, again, we're the only people that say shit like that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair enough. We, we we could put a pin in that. We could put a pin in that. Maybe that's an off mic uh, conversation. Um, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Let, let me let me apologize again Ooh, that I wasn't poor. Let me. I'm I'm sorry that I wasn't poor. No, you guys. Um, you guys. My mother worked up. for the New York Stock Exchange. We weren't poor. Okay, you were working class. Listen, had yes. my had my father done the right thing, we might have been middle class, but that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> nah, nah. Shout out to your pops, man. Uh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> no. Oh shit. Okay. All right, no problem. No problem. Look, uh, look, he dead. He ain't gonna hear this no way. Oh man. Listen, we talking about. You know, I don't even want to get into this. This, this is. I'm getting all types of blowback for my take on therapists or, or lack thereof. Um, but yeah, no. She. she so. For all the listeners, she grew up working class. All right. Um, now, how how are you and and, and yeah? I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, how are you and yeah coping with this cabin fever? Right. Like, are you able to to spice things up? Switching from like day leggings to night leggings. Is that, <laughs> is, is that a thing for me personally? Yeah, you personally. 
Um, I think it depends. It's funny. Um, we'll say his name. So shout out to TJ. He had posted something and it was like a picture, you know, Instagram type girls, like what you thought lockdown was going to be. And then another picture like Monique, when she was in Precious and said like, what, what lockdown actually is. So mm-hmm. I just DM'd him and I was like, yo, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so now let me ask you, because you guys are in the same house, right? You, you, you're doing lockdown together. Do you insert technology to kind of spice things up, like you go on Zoom and, and one part of the crib, <laughs> and let him go on Zoom with the other and talk oh, dirty. Hell like, hell no. Okay, well, <laughs> the only reason I, I'm who thinking along those that? lines that's, well, that's not for people who live. Listen, there's a lot of niggas cheating on Zoom right now, and shout out to y'all. Um, but. I think that's the benefit of living with your man or your lady is that you don't have to be beaten off on FaceTime. <laughs> oh, that sounds graphic. Um, but for anybody who who is uh, who is considering using Zoom for sensitive uh, stuff, you, you guys might want to wait, hold out. Um, you know, a lot of people are uh, trying to utilize that to get business done. And Letitia James, who I want to say is a, a friend to the show, although uh, I don't know her personally. I, I do like her, though. She's a shout New York State. James. Yeah, shout out to her. She's New York State's Attorney General. She just hit Zoom with a uh, uh, a call to respond, uh, basically asking them what steps that they're taking to protect uh, users' data and privacy. You know, there's been a new trend since we've been relying on Zoom more heavily called Zoom bombing. I don't know if you, you've seen this, uh, where hackers are, are breaking into people's Zooms when they're doing video calls and hijacking the uh, the, the, the chat, <laughs> which is it's funny if you're talking about a dude beating off talking to his side piece. But it was I know it was like one one lady, she was doing a, a, a defense for her PhD and the, <laughs> the hackers got it then. And, uh, oh. and then it's what they're going to. And this is when it's like, it's always, I don't want to say always white people because that sounds funny, but it's like, it's white people, man. They, so they're, they're hacking and then inserting uh, inserting white supremacist, uh, you know, neo-Nazi messaging. Um, you know, it's just, it's nasty business. It's not, it's not cute. Hacking is never cute. Um, no, but if the hackers are going to, right. If the hackers are, hackers need to play for the, for, for, for the majority at, at some point, man, no one's ever hacking Sally Mae, but that's a whole nother conversation. Girl. Yeah. Um, being that I work in the FinTech space, unfortunately I have now more experience with hackers than I would like to have had, but let me tell you something that arena, cybercrime, whatever you want to call it, um, security breaches and all of that it's amazing what these people can do and from our perspective it's just like yo why don't you go use this power for good like you could definitely make money like now i know they have bug bounty programs and all of that um but you know what wayne said he said be good or be good at it um if you if you if you are doing dirt and you do it well enough, there is money to be made on the legal side. You know, Catch Me If If You Can has taught me that if you are good enough, they will cut you a check. Show me how you yeah. do it. Yeah, I definitely, that's definitely true. And I know especially now with all of these different startups and tech companies and all of that, they're, when it comes to that type of stuff, security and, um, you know, all of that, they're willing to pay. So, you know... I would just recommend somebody if you have that type of knowledge and that type of background, go go make legal money off of it. Because if the feds catch you, you going to jail. Like they got a whole computer crime division just waiting. And once you do something with the computer, because the internet connects computers in different states, they're gonna hit you with those wire fraud and mail fraud and all of those type of charges. And you definitely are not be in that case. So register for the mm. bug bounty program. And you can get it. And from my understanding with the white hacker programs, as long as you're willing to, I guess, reveal your identity to them so they can cut you the checks, you can make money. And it's not like you have to have a degree or be from a certain school or whatever. I think I was watching a, I forget, I think it was a Vice story where the first person who made a million dollars was this kid from... I, he was from, I want to say like maybe Argentina or something like that. And he was like 18, 19 years old. And he was a self-taught like hacker. And 
he he did what's called white hat hacking, which is they expose the vulnerabilities, um, but with the company's permission. So mm. they are yeah, so and it's like if you're the first one to find certain vulnerabilities, they'll pay you and each one you find is worth a different amount of money. So you know, and you have to be fast at it, which is why people who a lot of the dudes who have, you know, felony charges for hacking, they do this now because, you know, to be a hacker, you have to get in and get out quick. Um, so I that's would be my recommendation. Just do it the legal way and because the thing is, once you insert yourself in that, um, the people who are on the right side of it, then they're gonna go looking for you. Yeah, yeah. It's only but so many times you could you could tap the well, you know, but if you can't get paid and the earth is this big, you're worthless, kid, and you don't deserve to live. That's uh, that's Cameron Giles. That's not me. Um, shout out to Cameron. <laughs> shout out to Cam. There's so much money to be made. Um, you have to just apply yourself. You know, there's no reason to not only to be broke, but to feel hopeless. You know what I mean? Like you, there's there's money everywhere. The streets aren't so paid now, in gold, but it's laid with opportunity. Mm-hmm. So now that brings us to a nice natural transition of a question that I had. What do you feel about these people who kind of feel like it's just impossible for everyone to do well? Um, I've been lately reading. I try to read a lot of the more progressive news just because um, I feel like when I was in school, especially, I just wasn't kind of keeping up on certain topics. So I, I like to see what the zeitgeist is, you know, and there's this kind of strain of people who believe that in America stuff is so messed up that there's always going to be an underclass and that I guess us having this feeling of like, yo, I got to get to it. I got to get to it is kind of having a blind spot, I guess, to that, to that Mm-hmm. notion because it's just kind of like oh what well, a framework is you know the framework is so unequal you know and i get where they're coming from but to me i do feel like hope might be one of the the greatest drugs of them all and i think once we start <laughs> i do like um yeah. as corny as that may sound but i do like i just i just can't like even to say it i feel funny saying it like i don't feel comfortable telling a, a kid like, okay, you have X, Y, and Z against you. So you know what? Give up. So like like that's a that's work, work on your jump shot or learn how to cook. Yeah. You guys be willing to sling them things. You, you ain't got no options. <laughs> like well, you know that's the, the also, skit. Well, nah, that's listen, listen. You you sound Go ahead. hold on, hold on, hold on. You you sound as though you 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 are not openly and willingly accepting that premise as being factual right so you do you do you disagree do you feel like everybody can succeed i'm gonna take that i know so this is what i'll say i think at the end of the day i think we know just numerically everybody can't succeed to a certain level like certain people have natural talents what i don't like is for us to throw away um the hope of individual people um and well, just no to- no 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 see I I, I I hate to cut you off i'm sorry the the hope of of the individual is the is the american hustle and you know the american dream is 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 a is a con and the, and the the hope that's sold to the, the individual is is the packaging, right? Like they make home ownership. We we overvalue home ownership, right? And the real estate industry is the backbone of the economy. But if people stop subscribing to the American dream of quote unquote home ownership, then you know the economy takes a huge hit. Individual success is is an unlikely story. So that's why they make all of these success stories as relatable as possible. But that's not how it works. That's not how capitalism is designed to 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 function. And we are functioning at low levels of humanity because we're at high levels of capitalism. <laughs> um, everybody can't succeed, and the majority of people will not succeed. And even and far too many people will will fail. Feeling like they were one hit away. You weren't. You can't. Everybody isn't bleak. 
You weren't one hit away. You weren't even close. The, okay. the sad part is you just thought you were close, but you weren't. You have glass ceilings. You have you have concrete roadblocks, but it's not designed for everybody to win. Okay, no. so what I will say is I think that there are different definitions of winning. Like, of course, you know, I don't know who's the most recent black billionaire, but most of us are probably not going to be the next one, right? But at the same time, I don't think that that means that we have to just relegate, like I said, all hope. So for instance, I was having a conversation with um, a young lady who's very, very bright and, you know, she's going through high school and I don't know too much about her home situation. I have some speculation. Basically, you know, I think looking at her grades, I think she would go to college and be fine and be able to get a decent job at, you know, something that would give her a, diff, a you know, a decent life. But for some reason, she's gotten it into her mind that she's not going to do that. And she doesn't have any alternative. Like it wasn't like a, I don't want to go to a four year college because I want to be a makeup artist or an electrician or, you know, whatever. It was just like, nah, I'm not doing that. And I just kind of felt like, I like to me, I was getting the sense that some somebody made her feel like that wasn't for her. And unfortunately, in the black community and in a lot of communities of color, um, immigrant communities as well, our default, because of the way society is set up, our default is kind of lower than the average white person. So like the dumbest kid from a, a middle-class white family is probably going to come out better than the smartest kid from a poor black family. Right. So that's why I'm saying, I don't think we should, I don't think that we should, you know, take away hope from kids being like, ah, you know, everything's fucked up. You know, it's hard out here, you know, try to right, be but, a, but you know, what, you that, know, that, that scenario that you just alluded to would only uh, increase the feelings of hopelessness when you realize that we're fighting for an equitable, you know, opportunity, right? And and that it's the playing field is completely unleveled. There's a a, a fifty year head start depending on which clock you're looking at, or a four hundred year head start. But between people being in in place in terms of our infrastructure, in terms of you know uh, the hoarding of resources, and being able to compete with nepotism and uh, and bias. Like yeah, you you know everybody's not going to be able to win, and I you have. I mm-hmm. agree, but I still feel like that doesn't mean that we can't try. Like, and I'm usually not a an optimistic person at all, but I definitely feel like when I'm looking at my own circumstances, like the building where I'm from, shout out to Golden Gates, um, you know, having a good job was like considered like what my mother did, like being, um, you know, a, a secretary, yeah, being a secretary or <laughs> there was a couple, shut up. There was a couple, um, there was a couple, um, my friend's mom, like a couple people who did corrections or maybe somebody's mom worked at the post office. Like, and those were who we saw as like had good jobs. Like if I didn't, if my mother didn't instill in me, if I didn't think that I could do more than that, then yeah, I would be, I would have taken the, the test for the post office instead of applying mm-hmm. to college. That's that's what I'm saying. And again, just me speaking for me, you know, all praises to the most high. Like I've achieved, you know, some kind of semblance of uh, social mobility. And I think it's only because I believed that I could. And yes, was I very lucky that I was in the right schools at the right time and I had the kind of personality that teachers would notice me and point me in the right direction. And, you know, because my mother did work on Wall Street, you know, she was around people who had education and and could, you know, fill in some of those gaps. Yes, that happened. But if I didn't think that the if I didn't think that I could do any better than being a CEO, I would be a CEO. Mm. That's uh okay. Not okay. I, I understand what you're saying. That 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 sounds like it stings a little bit, but I, I get I get what you're saying. And that's not to to degrade being a CEO. Um No, not at all. Not at all. Right. It's about it's about identifying what your ceiling is and and pursuing your ceiling. Um right. going as far as you believe you can go. And I, I get it. The way it sounded initially though, I was, it's like, ooh, that's 
is that a gut punch? Like I, I had to digest that a little bit. Um, okay. All right. Um, well, you know what? I, I think, uh, I think we should call it there. Uh, I, I want to thank all of the first time listeners. I want to thank all of the last time listeners. Um, sorry, I wasted your time. Um, <laughs> and if, uh, for the, the people who are here, um, that signed that contract, the 10 episode minimum, you guys are the real MVPs. Um, this is a journey. And I think that, uh, you guys who are, who have bought while we were fresh this at the uh, original purchase price, you're going to find that you're going to get the most bang for your buck because we are only getting bigger and better. Um, like a like a porn star at the beginning of the career. We're here for the long run. Okay, 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 okay. We're not gonna do that. We okay. do want to thank all of the people. If they want to email us, what is our email address? Yes, you can email us at preinternetfriends at gmail dot com, and you can get a head start on subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, that's preinternetfriends, uh, no hyphen on YouTube as well. Um, yeah. So that's going to be all. You, you guys stay up, stay well, be blessed, et cetera, et cetera. Good night. Good night. You just tuned into another episode of Pre-Internet Friends. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you were here with me. I appreciate that. For additional content, check out other episodes of Pre-Internet Friends. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube by the same name, Mr. J. Nicholas. Peace and blessings, y'all. I'm out. Don't know how Pops say I made him proud His grandchild Looking like his daddy now Don't switch the beat I swear to God it's meant for me Can't you see I'm killing all these melodies Best believe Blessings coming twos and threes The family tree Got them